Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living. We hope you enjoy this podcast, and for further information, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Thank you, Stephanie Ann. And I love that song because every time they talk about spirit, they talk about looking up. When I think about spirit, I think about looking up. And that's the first thing I want to encourage you to do today, is to look up. I know Kathy Ann talked about this recently. And it hit me in a new way. I'd been doing it a little bit, but I started doing it consistently for a while now. And what I would do is just look up and be available for spirits download. Not have any expectation, just be available and looking up. And it's amazing how many things have, have opened to me in the last couple of weeks because of this process. And I want to emphasize it with you today, especially. And I was, I'm getting, I don't know if you've gotten a message from Spirit in multiple times, like you keep hearing the same thing, but you're hearing it from different sources. So I was doing a uh, a Christmas holiday rom-com movie binge, and I saw this movie called Last Christmas. And if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it. It is a rom-com, so most of it is predictable. And it tells the story of Kate, who is a 20-something aspiring singer who spends time in between her auditions, drunk, sleeping around, and basically screwing up at work as an elf in a Christmas shop. Her friends and her family are pretty fed up with her selfish ways and her self-destructive behaviors. And she continually has multiple continual frustrating experiences at her work and at her house until she meets Tom. Now, Tom is the ever-optimistic man, and he teaches Kate to look up. And the first thing is she's outside of her Christmas shop, and he teaches her to look up at a beautiful singing bird. And later on in the, in the movie, he, they end up seeing each other on the street and he takes her on a walk and she's walking on and she's walking with her head down and, and he says, look up. And there's this beautiful sign that she'd never seen before. And look up and there's another bird. And look up and there's a park that's hidden that she hadn't seen before. And as she goes through, she, she spends the night at Tom's house and she tells him, her terrible secret, and that she's had come to the place where she had lost her faith in life. And she'd actually, a year before, almost lost her life. And she ended up getting a heart transplant in order to have a new look on life. But she didn't really feel that good about her life anyway. And so Tom ends up helping her regain herself. And she starts, they have a disagreement, but she decides that she's going to, she's going to take little small steps to improve her life. She starts taking care of her body. 
she apologizes to her sister, whom she outed to her family. She decides that maybe her boss, Santa, is an okay person after all and starts connecting with her. And little things happen through the movie, but one of the most profound things that happens to Kate is that she remembers to start looking up. And the more she looks up, the more she gets the vibrancy back in her life. And I don't know about you, but maybe this pandemic or maybe other circumstances have been hitting your life really hard right now. I know a lot of people who have lost people in the last several months. And so maybe you're going through this time period and it might be a really hard time. And I want to encourage you to try this spiritual practice. I want to encourage you to literally just look up. Easy as that. This is a spiritual practice. That's all you have to do. You know, psychologists talk about when we look down at the ground, we actually feel the feelings of depression more. And when we're looking out, we might see kind of a neutral experience. But when we look up, something shifts in our physiology and hope arises. And I think it's a really important time for us to have hope. So that's my first thing for you today is for you to look up. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to be curious. There was a young woman who spent a summer break working at Yellowstone National Park. Now Yellowstone is really big. It spans six million acres. It has five distinct ecosystems and it has one of the, it is a home to one of the most diverse wildlife in North America. So she's a, she's a hiker and that's one of the reasons why she spent her summer break working there. And one day her dad came to visit her uh, and they drove through the famous Lamar Valley to a beautiful lookout point that they wanted to see. And her, she and her father got out of the car and they went looking at this lookout point and then her dad said, oh look, look, there's a, little, there's a little peak over there. Why don't we go check that out? So they go and they hike over to the next peak and he says, oh, oh, I wonder what's over there, over that peak. And so she says, okay. And so they hiked and they went over to the next peak and then he sees another peak and he's like, oh my gosh, I wonder what is over that peak? And by this time, she's laughing pretty hard. She's like, okay, Dad, whatever. Let's go to that peak and we'll check it out. And on they trekked. And after several peaks, they crested over and they saw in the valley a whole herd of pronghorn. And it was one of the most beautiful sights she'd ever seen. There was babies, there was all adults, and they were just running across this whole area. And she realized how she would have missed that if she wasn't curious with her father. What's on that next peak? What's going on over that next ridge? If she hadn't had that curiosity, she might have missed the moment, the moment of awe. 
And each ridge was beautiful and each moment was beautiful. And yet sometimes we cling to the one destination as if life isn't a lifelong journey that we just come to this one precipice and then that's it. That's all we got. Or perhaps we've come to the valley and that's it. That's all there is. You know, as we're curious, we allow ourselves to bring a sense of fun back into life. Curiosity is one of the most key things that we could have. You know, toddlers, they're curious about everything. They want to pick everything up. They want to taste everything. They want to eat everything. They want to feel everything. And what I've noticed as an adult is somehow I had lost some of that along the way. And one of the ways I am endeavoring to be curious is by figuring out what can I do to make the mundane fun? What can I do to make the everyday challenge and uh, monotonous stuff of life more entertaining for myself? Well, let me tell you one thing that my wife and I did. So my wife, Gina, and I have two cats, and we have a litter box, and uh, we, we alternate days on who scoops a poop. And so what we decided to do is to make it just a little bit more fun. We decided to create a song. And the song goes like this. Yes, you're gonna laugh at me and that's okay. The song goes like this. It goes, she asked me, what time is it? And I say, it's time to scoop the poop. It's time to scoop the poop. It's time to scoop the poop. Uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And that's our daily dose of fun because why not? Why not have fun in the everyday? What else can you have fun in? What other ways can you incorporate the vibrancy of life in the everyday? A lot of us don't have opportunities to really think about that. But then here you came on a Sunday and you want to know, how can I be more connected with the divine? Well, the divine is here in the everyday. And this life that you're on is a journey, not a destination. It's a sacred and holy experience and expression, and it is the infinite creator experiencing life as you. And so no matter where you're at or what you're doing, this day is an opportunity for new life and new expression. This day is an opportunity where you can reconnect with who you really are. And if you're curious, you can find out more about that by finding out, asking the question, how can it get any better than this? What else is possible? Now, you don't have to answer the question. You can just ask the question. You can just ask the universe the questions, and the universe will provide the answers. Now, here we are in our teaching, and at, at Centers for Spiritual Living, we teach a lot about our timeless principles. We talk about the, our mind and our thoughts and how they create a reality. And then we've gone beyond that. We've, talked, we've learned about our heart and how our heart reaches out and touches so many people. And then 
And once there's an evolution of the self into the place of being, of recognizing that we're co-creating with the divine, we also recognize that all of us are part of a collective. And in order for a collective to move, we have a vision. And so we've created a vision for ourselves. We've created a global vision. We've created uh, Centers for Spiritual Living's Seattle's local vision, which is a force for good in the world. And Centers for Spiritual Living's global vision is creating a world that works for everyone. And in order for us to embody that vision, because we are the ones to be that vision, in order for that to, to happen, to express in and through each and every one of us, we actually need to step into it by being in our bodies, by being the body of the divine, knowing that its body is our body. St. Teresa of Avila says, the divine has no body on earth now but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which to look out divine's compassion to see the world. Yours are the feet which the divine is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which the divine is to bless all beings now. So I want you to do something with me because you are the blesser of the world and you have that powerful force for good of the divine happening through you right now. So I want you to take your hands and I want you to put them over your heart and I want you to bless your body. This is a holy body temple of the divine. It is here to move you from place to place to serve you and the you that you are is much greater than your body. And so honor and love and bless your body. And now I want you to put your arms out and I want you to think about the body of your affairs. I want you to think about your relationships and your finances. And I want you to bless all of that. Bless your relationships. Bless your connections. Bless all of your affairs. And now what I want you to do is put your hands like this. Now, I love being on Zoom because I get to see all the people I'm in community with. And on Zoom, we have these little rectangular boxes. And whenever we go like this, we're touching the hands of our community. And so I want you to imagine that right now, your hands are touching the hands of our community collectively together. And I want you to bless the body of our community. Bless each and every person that you're a part of right here and right now. And now I want you to raise your hands and I want you to imagine the world. And I want you to send a blessing to the entire world because we are at cause. We are the bee, because life is here to happen through us. And so we are the cause of the blessing for the world. And so just bless everybody, no matter where they're at, whether they've forgotten who they are, or if they're super connected with who they are, bless them all. And bring it back to your heart. And then thank yourself for being the blessing for all of it. 
I have a poem for you. And this poem is by a woman named Phyllis Wheatley. It's just a little excerpt from her poem, but I think she's got something sacred in it. It's called Imagination. Imagination. Who can sing thy force? Or who describe the swiftness of thy course? Soaring through the air to find the bright abode, thy imperial palace of the thundering God. We on the pinions can surpass the wind and leave the rolling universe behind. From star to star the mental optics rove, measure the skies and range the realms above. There is in one view we grasp the mighty whole, or with new worlds amaze the unbounded soul. I love that poem. And if you don't know who Phyllis Wheatley is, Phyllis Wheatley Peters, she actually wrote, um, she, she was actually born in 1753, so maybe that's why you don't know about her. I got a lovely calendar from one of our uh, beloved congregants, uh, Esther Alley, and it has a, it's a black history calendar. And Phyllis Wheatley was on there. And she is the first African-American author of a published book of poetry. She was actually born in West Africa, and she was sold into slavery at the age of seven, brought back to North America, and enslaved by the Wheatley family of Boston. They taught her how to read and write, and when she started writing poetry, they really saw how talented she was. And her master encouraged her poetry and actually encouraged her to write a book, which was very difficult. They actually wouldn't accept her to be published in the United States, so they had to publish a book in London. And she became wildly famous in London for her poetry. And Right after she published her book, the Wheatleys decided to grant her her freedom, and so she became emancipated from the Wheatley family. And they soon died, and she went on to write even more poetry, which was quite amazing. So you can look her up. Unfortunately, she only lived till she was 31, but what a powerful woman. Can you imagine this person? who was stolen from her homeland, put into slavery, and yet she had the imagination of the world. She was able to capture that essence. She was able to rise above her circumstances and to carry on in a way that was a blessing for so many people. And so I bring her to you today because of that, because she's an inspiration to me. I know that whatever we're dealing with right now, that there's a lot, and we can overcome it. We can rise above it. We can rise up and make a change. But it takes us collectively to see that vision, to be willing to stand in that vision, and to work together in that vision. I was on a walk with my wife out, into the, out in the mountains, and we've been looking at... Uh, we've been observing different kinds of mushrooms because it's fun and taking pictures of them. And there was this really weird thing on the forest floor that we saw the other day. And it's kind of hard to describe, 
but it was like kind of fluorescent orange with kind of chunks in it. It sort of looked like dog puke. And I was like, what was that stuff? <laughs> like, what was this weird fungusy grossness? And so I looked it up. And it's really interesting. It's actually called dog vomit slime mold. Dog vomit slime mold. It's a thing. You can look it up. It's real. And the, it's fascinating, though. I had, I had to research this. So this slime mold exists most of its life as a single-cell amoeba. And when it needs food, and there's not food around, it can actually transform itself into a larger entity. And this is what happens. The individual amoebas send out signals to all the other amoebas in their area, and they organize themselves, and they reach critical mass. And without an apparent leader, they create an organism, or an organism that can move across the forest floor collectively together. And when they find a better feeding area, they release spores, which new amoebas are formed, and they reproduce themselves. So under great stress, the forest slime mold is able to mobilize a capacity for collective consciousness and action so as to ensure its own survival. So if some form of consciousness is operating at the level of single cells, single cell amoebas, we should not be surprised to find that consciousness is the basic property of the universe, and it is manifest at every single level. If, if slime mold can organize for its survival, imagine what we can do if we organized our collective consciousness to create change in the world. Ernest Holmes says, the spiral of life is upward. Evolution carries us forward. So I would encourage you to look up, to be curious, and to organize together collectively so we can make a change in this world for the better and be a force for good. I want to leave you today with a small excerpt from the poem by Amanda Gorman, The Hill, Me the Hill We Climb. And I would encourage you, if you haven't seen her speak this yourself, that you look her up and you hear this poem. She says, So let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left. Every breath from my bronze-pounded chest, we will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the golden hills of the west. We will rise from the wind-swept northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked south. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover. In every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country, our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid. The new dawn balloons as we free it, for there is always light if we're only brave enough to see it, if, we're only, if only we're brave enough to be it.
Let us pray. And so I know that right here and now that there is something sacred and holy. This is a holy moment, a holy experience, a holy day. A holy day where I'm an awakened being, allowing myself to be used, to be utilized for the Spirit to flow through me so that I can see that vision, that dream, that collective opportunity where we move together and create a reality of a world that works for everyone. That means that those of the downtrodden have hope, that those who are afraid right now are re-inspired by faith, that those who are in the midst of the shadow of death are renewed with new life, that we are here to reach out to each other and be a new experience and expression in the world collectively, where we rise up beyond our differences, where we rise up beyond our history, where we rise up beyond what we thought could be and move into something that's in even greater possibility than we could even imagine. We rise up today to take a stand for unity. We take a stand for each and every person who we thought was our enemy, but now we see with love, with those eyes to see. And so I know and claim that something that is undescribable moves within each and every one of us. And we are compelled to rise up, to create a new idea for ourselves, for our country, for our planet right here and right now. And I'm grateful that all I have to do is look up and that I am inspired to know what is mine to do right now, right here. And I move forward and I do that work. And for that, I'm grateful. And so it is.